Hey, it's great to be here with you. Thank you. It really is great to be here and an honor to be here with you. And it is an honor to have my son with me. He's kind of my travel, compa- uh, travel compartment, <laughs> my travel companion on this trip. And it's great to have him. David, stand up. Let him see your handsome face. He's not going to like me for that. But anyway, this is my son, David. He's 16. He's our middle one. Uh, he has an older uh, sister, Nicole, who's a senior this year in high school. So we're getting ready to launch our first one out into college and on our own, and, and our children have been a joy. And then uh, David has a younger sister as well, Rachel. She's a freshman in high school, and she is 14, and just a blessing to our family. All of our kids have just been a blessing to our family, and, and we're just grateful for God's grace and His mercy to us, and just giving us wisdom. I don't know about you, but I am just one decision away from stupid sometimes, and I just need God's grace and His mercy on my life and just to help me. But it really is, it's an honor to be with you. I want to give you a little update, as Pastor told you earlier, I'm with the Association of Related Churches, the ARC. Uh, we plant churches all over the country, and, and uh, we plant them all over the world now. We've stepped into the na- international world a little bit. Um, we've been around for 12 years, a little over 12 years now, and it's just been really exciting what God has done. Uh, we have planted, last year in 2013, we planted 70 churches, and that was exciting, We've planted to date uh, 381 churches. Actually, that's going to go up a little bit more because I think we're planting four this weekend. So it'll be 385 after today. And so, yeah, it's really exciting. Here's what's amazing about that. My role has kind of changed. I'm now over the pastor relations side. It's a new area for us in ARC. I was over the planting side as director of church planting for several years and in helping guys plant. And I've had my hand in over 250 ARC plants now. And so now those guys are calling me and, hey, what's next? And help me in year two and three. And what do we do now? And we're going into a building out of portability and all of that. So it's a real blessing and an honor for me to be able to help pastor pastors now and help encourage them. And I've been gathering some statistics from them, so some data, so we can know how they're doing because we've been focusing on planting. I mean, it's just exciting to see what God's doing. And when we work together as the body of Christ, you know we're better together than we are apart. And, uh, and it just really is. Within the ARC churches over 2013, this was just amazing. And this is very conservative stat, very conservative. I didn't, I didn't get even probably 80% of our ARC churches yet in all of this stat. I just pulled a few of them within uh, the Association of Related Churches. And we had over 17,000 people make decisions for Christ in 2013 alone. Can we give God a hand for that? That's, that's two, so over 17,000 people have said yes to Jesus. Those aren't just hands raised. Those are people that documented, I, my decision today was to make Jesus number one in my life. And that's just huge. And so that's a little bit about what we're doing in our, our association. And, and uh, just exciting to, to be able to be here with churches like yourself too and helping churches all over the country. Even if they're not within the ARC Association, we're just an association, we're not a denomination. So we work with churches in different denominations and everything because our goal is to see the body of Christ grow and thrive and reach people all over the country. And, and it's good to be home. It's good. This Colorado Springs is, is uh, where I'm from. I grew up here. My parents still live here. It's always great to come back to the Rocky Mountains. Uh, I don't know about your 2013, but ours was a kind of a lot of change, a little transition going on in 2013. It was a good year for us. You know, we're still in the first of the year. I guess I could say Happy New Year to you. Still Happy New Year. We're uh, just ended January, but we're still in the first quarter. And I don't know about you, but uh, you know, statistics will tell us that most New Year's resolutions have been broken already. 
I don't have you raise your hand, but I'm sure some of you made New Year's resolutions. We all do. We all look at, hey, what do I want to take into 2014 and what do I want to leave in 2013? Like, let's just leave it there and not relive that one again, right? We all have those. I mean, that's usually what happens. That's why January is usually a huge month where a lot of churches will see some people come to know Christ. A lot of visitors will come check out churches during January. Why? Because they want their life better. Because if we, we keep doing the same thing, we make the same decisions, and if our life is filled with emptiness, we're going to find emptiness. If we're looking to the wrong things to satisfy us, it's just a matter of time that it's just not going to satisfy us. And the Bible's so true in that, that sin is fun for a season, but sin is seasonal. Seasonal. To say it's not fun would be a total lie. It's not. There's, that's, people wouldn't sin if it wasn't fun, Right? Because we're creatures, of, we want to enjoy, we want to do our own self-centeredness and our own selfishness and our own pleasures. And so it is, and the Bible's so true. It says sin is fun for a season. But when that season is up, it's a real letdown. I mean, it's why when the season of sin's enjoyment is up, people will end their life. I don't know, maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been in a season where you made some choices and the choice to live your life on your own, do your own thing, and be self-centered, make those decisions you didn't realize, and then when the season was over, man, you were miserable. You realized the destruction it left behind you, the choices you made, and regrets we have, and we wish we didn't have them. And it's because 2013, we'll make those choices, but we go into 2014, and we say, hey, I want to live differently. I want to make something different. I don't know about you, but during the holidays, when you're going through that, and it was just what it seems like yesterday and it's already february it's like where time goes it flies unless you're in school then it's probably still standing still i remember that as a teenager so all of you that are young and here in school it seemed like it never would speed up but then you graduate and then you have children and i think everyone can attest it's like where in the world did it go you blink and they're grown and it seems like time flies but you know, during the holidays is a time where we have just some time off. I had a couple weeks off during the holidays and around family. And I don't know about you, but it's, it's funny with all the social media that goes on today. I don't know if y'all are in social media, but you know, it seems like during the holidays you have time to look at it and you're reflecting. Everybody likes to, after the holidays, you know, especially when you have kids, they all brag about everything they have. And maybe you like social media. Maybe you like face brag. That's what I like to call it. You know, get on there, everybody's bragging about their stuff and everything. You know, how about InstaPerfect? You know, we got Instagram or InstaPerfect. Everything looks just perfect on Instagram, doesn't it? You know, it just and, and you watch all this stuff, and, and I don't know, maybe you're not like me at all or whatever, but you sit there and you, you, if you're not careful, you're watching all that stuff, and all of a sudden you think, my life stinks. <laughs> Golly, everybody's got it better than me. Because all you're doing is looking at one after another after another, what this one's doing, this one's doing. Of course, and everybody's got an opinion on how the world should go and how they're right, and they ain't got a clue. So many comments on there ain't got a lick of wisdom to them at all. But, you know, it's just emotion speaking. And I've got to tell my kids, you know, the, uh, the Internet and, uh, is not a vault. It's not a vault. You put something out there, it's not a vault. It doesn't stay a secret. It's a trampoline. And uh, try to tell them that. You don't want anything to go out there that you ever want to come back. <laughs> If you don't ever want to come up, don't put it out there. Don't put a picture of yourself that you'd be ashamed of or you'd be afraid of or you're embarrassed by because it's not a vault. The Internet's not a vault. It's a trampoline. You never know where it's going to bounce and where it's going to come back. And, and we can tend to look at that like, man, how come everybody else is 
year was better than mine, and mine still seems to stink, and I'm going into 2014, and I just want it to be better. Well, how do we do that? Because here we are in February, and statistics show us that most New Year's resolutions are broken. So we're not going to change what we wanted to change. And how do we really change? Maybe you find yourself that way. Sometimes I'll find myself in that place. Like, man, I really wanted to stop doing this this year. I wanted to leave it out, but then I find myself doing the same thing again. And it's like, man, how do I get rid of this? Well, I want to encourage you today, and hopefully the message that I feel like the Lord brought, gave me to give you today is one that's really impacted my life, but I really want to talk to you about it. Hopefully it'll help you, especially as you're going into the season. What I love hearing about this church is going, you're going into a season of prayer and fasting. It's a powerful time. We just went through our season as a church. We, we did it in January, and we just went through a time of prayer and fasting, and we just came out of that at our extended time of fasting. And I never like fasts. So I'll just be honest with you. I'm not, a, I'm not a like, hey, yeah, let me just go into a fast. I can't wait. No, I don't know why we call it fasting anyway. I think it should be called slowing. <laughs> prayer and slowing. What, what made it fasting? But the power of prayer and fasting is so important, so I couldn't encourage you more as a fellow believer in Christ to do it because fasting doesn't get us any closer to God. It just doesn't. God is as close to us as you'll ever get. But what fasting does is it gets you away from your flesh and it makes you see God closer. Because life continues to happen and, and, and the journey of life continues to go on. And, and I don't know about you, but you want to make some decisions, but it seems like all the things in life just kind of come in place and the important things that you the important decisions you need to make and you want to make priorities in your life seem to get pushed back because all these distractions in life come along and the busyness of life comes along and kind of drowns out all that stuff and fasting kind of allows us to say get our body in check by saying we're not going to eat body you're not going to eat what you want to eat and what you desire you're going to eat healthier you're going to you're going to eat something that's going to just sustain you but you're not important right now my emotions aren't what's important. It's my spirit that's important. And I'm going to feed my spirit. I'm going to draw closer to the Lord during this time. And I'm going to dedicate the first of my year to the Lord. And if anything else, that's what I want to talk to you about. Is that I have decided to put first things first. It's kind of what I titled this message was that I have decided. In other words, I have made a decision. Some of us made decisions in 2013 resolutions and I don't know where those are, but today you can say, I have decided, and I would encourage you to decide to put first things first. Because this is really what's helped me make changes in my life. It's not that I'm just going to make a bunch of changes, but what do I make first? What do I put first? And is it really important what I do first? Or can I just have a bunch of things in my life and have them in a random order? Well, I want to kind of illustrate for you this morning. I kind of brought, I, I love the way Jesus illustrated sometimes in the scriptures that he used visual aids. You know, he went by the fig tree and he looked at it, didn't bear fruit, and he paid attention to him. And so he used the visual aid. I'm a visual learner. I'm not a book smart learner, really. I'll go to the manual once I can't figure it out with my eyes first. When all else fails, read the manual, right? That, that's why I am. Maybe some of you are like that too. Others of you, you can read through a manual, whatever, and you can get it. But I'm a visual learner, and I'm so grateful that Jesus understood that for us, too. So I brought a little illustration I want to show you about this priority. Here, I'm going to put this towel down so I don't ruin this table. But I've got here some elements, just natural elements, and I've got some rocks. I've got two of these here. Can you all see this okay? 
And then I've got uh, two more elements, some earth and some water. And these are like decisions in our life. These are different decisions we want to make. And, and what I've learned is there's, there's a lot of things that happen in life like this water. But I mean, there's so much that can drown out some decisions we want to make. There's also decisions or choices we have to make that quite aren't as consuming as water. And they may be like this sand here, this gravel. And then there's some decisions in our life that are major decisions. I mean, what are the most important decisions in life? They're kind of, I like to call them my rocks. What are the big rocks that when I make decisions, what affects me? You know, our money is a big rock, how we manage our money. Relationships may be a big rock in our life. Our children's a big rock. Our spirituality can be a big rock. What are the things that really matter? There's a lot of things in life that matter, but what really matters? And, and if order is important, what do we put in first? It really does make a difference. Because what I'll do is I'll add these decisions that we make that are like the sand of our life. And these vessels are our choices in our life. And I can put that sand in there because I know there's going to be things that happen in life that bring about just the little gravel, the little irritation things, but they just happen. And they fill up our life this year. And then we take a little water and we know there's going to be other things that come into our life that tend to fill us up. And we get distracted and say, yeah, I need to make those decisions, so I'm going to do that too. But then we find out, man, there's some really important decisions I need to make in my life. And all these things are kind of controlling it, so I need to make these decisions. So let me put these in here. Oh, I've got to cram. Well, they're not all fitting. Well, they really don't fit, do they? Because I think what's important with the decisions in our life is it's not that we have them. We're going to have all these things in our life. We're going to have the rocks of our life. We're going to have the sand, and we're going to have the water. But what I want to illustrate to you that it's the order that's important. That you've got to put first things first in your life. And so you may want to start this year, and that's where prayer and fasting, I believe, happens, is that as we have these rocks, we've got to say, okay, let, what are the major decisions I'm going to put in my life here? And let me begin to do that. So let me put these decisions and make these choices. And wow, okay, the main decisions fit. And they, these are kind of maybe sometimes the resolutions that we want to make because usually New Year's resolutions are the priorities in life. We say, I really need to make some major decisions going into next year. But if we don't put first things first, we just saw they don't fit. But then things are going to happen, right? We're, in, we're already in January, February, right? January's over. And we had some distractions come into our life and begin to fill up our life. And they're there. And they fit. But we're okay, because we still have some things, we're, we're still full. And then we'll go along and maybe some tragedies happen. Maybe something happens you weren't expected. I like to say we're all one, one phone call away from a major distraction in life or something that diverts our attention that we have to go after. We have to put time to. We didn't plan for it, but it takes up our time in life. But the interesting thing is, if our order is important and we put first things first, what we find out is... It all fits. Why does it all fit? Because the order is important. It's not that we're going to have to make decisions. It's how do you make decisions? Do you order your life right? And that's what I want to encourage you today in the little time that we have. And hopefully you'll get out of this. So I have decided to put first things first. I love in your notes there you have them. You can follow along. 
Psalms chapter 90, verse 12. David said this, Teach us to number our days aright, that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days aright. See, the mortality rate is still running at 100%. It still is. Hey, whether we eat good food for us, we're going into Daniel fast. Woohoo! Yeah, I did one this year. Wonderful. You know, you eat good things, okay? Some of you here might be vegans. Some of you might hear, you know, eat natural. Maybe you're gluten free. All those things eat healthy, and that's great. And the South, South, Southern people are big eaters. And all we say is, you may live five years longer than me by eating healthy, but at least I died with a smile on my face, and you died with a bad taste in your mouth. You know? <laughs> but no matter what you do, mortality rate still running 100%. You have a number of days. I have a number of days. And the important thing is, is what are we gonna, how are we going to order our life? How are we going to order our priorities and make our decisions? And if the order is important, which it is, we can fulfill our life. Why is order important? What does it do for us? It teaches us some things. Number one, order determines your capacity. Order determines your capacity. As we saw there, the order that I put it in determined the capacity of what would fit in here or not. But by putting them in the right order, it showed that the capacity was greater, not because the elements were different. We had the exact same measurement of elements. It was just the order made the capacity greater. So that's why it's important, because it makes capacity in your life greater. Order communicates priority. Order communicates your priority. Whatever you do first is what's priority in your life. We can say other things our priority in our life. But we can say whatever we want, but we show or we demonstrate who we really are. Our actions show what we really believe. We can say what we want, but you impart who you are to someone else. And so it determines the order of things will determine our priority. Revelations 2, 2 through 4. To the church at the end of time, it says here in Revelation, it says, I know your deeds. Your hard work, your perseverance. In other words, I see all the stuff you do and you do good things and you have the right heart and you work hard and you persevere. That's great, but yet I hold this against you. The Lord says there, He says, you have forsaken your first love. First. What does that word first mean? It's order. It's not second or third. It's talking about priority. The order is important. You've forsaken your first love. And finally, what does order do? Is order impacts the rest. Is that the order in which you make decisions in your life is going to impact the rest of the decisions in your life. And don't we find that true? That the big rocks are the things in your life that's going to affect the rest. I think it's interesting that that's what God talks about for us, that He wants to be first. He wants us to love Him first. We can have other loves. God knows we'll have other loves in our life. He created us to have other loves. I love my wife. I love her dearly and deeply. There's no one else. There's no other woman on the face of the earth that I love more than my wife. I love my mother, always will. We'll honor her and love and respect her. I love my kids. 
I love them deep. I have other loves. I love football. I love my Denver Broncos. Yeah, we do. There's nothing wrong with that. I come from the South, Alabama. You all know all about us in football. And again, I'm an Auburn fan. And so we had an amazing year. We lost, but we had an amazing year. Went from horrible last year to amazing this year. We never thought we'd be in a national championship again. We love football in the South. I mean, it's like a God in the South. They love their football. It's okay to love it. God knew we'd have other loves. There's little G's the Bible talks about. But He wants to be first. It's okay to scream and yell at the TV and your football team and to get upset and to cheer. And I mean, when we were watching the Broncos play in the AFC Championship game, all of us from Colorado that live in Birmingham, there's a group of us that have moved down to Birmingham. God sent us from the west to the south, you know, to help them, you know. So we're down there, we're watching it together, the game, and my buddy, we're standing there, and my good friend, he jumps up to his feet when we made that touchdown and lands on his coffee table and he's jumping up and down. <laughs> we are cracking up. It's okay. As long as my worship on Sunday morning is just as, just as passionate. As long as my serving my God and my love is just as passionate and, just as, and, and more than a football team. Because order is important and first. And it will bless the rest. Proverbs 3, 6-10 through 10 says, In all your ways acknowledge Him. In all your ways. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the second fruits, the third fruits, the last fruits, or the... The first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. What's he saying there? He says an order is important. God isn't all about our money because God doesn't need our money. This church doesn't need your money. Well, Pastor Derek might not say that, but I'll say it because I'm leaving. No, no, what is it? It's not about your money. It's about the order of your life. That when, when God is saying here, when you trust me as your source, you can be your source or God can be your source. I'll never forget when God really hit me hard with this because I, he called me to do something that required me to go beyond my financial means. When I planted a church, I cashed in everything, moved from Colorado Springs right here to Knoxville, Tennessee, didn't know a single person, but knew I was called, knew God had given me a vision and gave me a supernatural love for that city and those people there. Couldn't explain it any other way because I'd, I just, it's just a God thing and how He works when He calls you to do something. Scariest thing I've ever done in my life. And the biggest thing I was scared about was taking care of my kids. My wife and I could go live in a shelter. That's okay. We can make it. But not my children. Because they look to me as their source and their provider just as I look to God as my source and my provider. And to my kids, if I say God is my source and I'm their source, I didn't want them to feel like God couldn't provide. And I was scared. I'll be honest with you. Biggest part. Why? Because it dealt with my finances. It was a big rock in my life. And I'll never forget when I didn't want to leave the company I was with because I was finding security in the company I was from. And I'll never forget when the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, are they your source or am I your source? Because if they're your source, you rise and fall with them. If I'm your source, I can get it to you through any person I want. And I'm telling you, it's because order's important. Why does God say to the tithe, why do we give it first? And I've been doing it now for years, before I was a pastor, so I can speak to any of you here. So oh, he's a pastor, he's supposed to say that. No, I learned this early in my life. 
I haven't tried it. It's the one thing God says, test you in this and see. Test him in this and see if he won't provide. And I remember testing. I would tithe at the end of the month once I paid all my bills. Because, you know, you're supposed to do that. You need to do that. You need to pay your bills, budget, those things. But then I would maybe even catch up the next month. And I remember learning this process. But it always felt like my finances were just falling through my hands. I couldn't figure it out. And I remember grabbing hold of this principle. It's the first. Because it doesn't take faith to give at the end. It doesn't take faith to give God my leftovers when I've taken care of everything else because I've taken care of everything. Okay, God, now I can can give you this. Yeah, I need to give a little to the church. No, that's not what God wants. not just to give something, a little 20 bucks here to the church or not. No. It's a heart condition. You're saying, God, I trust you with the first. And it's a big trust. I trust you with the first. So I'm going to give this first that you're going to bless the rest. And I just encourage you, I don't know where you are, but I encourage you, don't even just listen to me. You trust God and what he would say, but I'm telling you, order's important. I found it in my life when I give to him first because then it takes me faith and trust that, God, I'm going to have enough for the end of the month. And what I have found is I have, I have had enough at the end of the month rather than having more month in the end of my, my money. And it's because order is important. So what do we do? So what do I do first? You're like, that's great, Corey. I get it. I get it. You have drilled this home. You even gave me some dirt and a little bucket to see. <laughs> now, how do we apply this? I, I want to leave you with these three things. Rather than just inspiring you, what do I do first? Well, here's three things that have really helped me. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 24 says this, An intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. And there's a lot of ways we can go, a lot of decisions we can make. But a wise person looks and says, what do I do first? What's the, what do I need to use wisdom in and how do I order my life? Number one, you've got to trust your creator. You've got to trust your creator. You've got to trust that God has a purpose and a plan for your life and that he loves you and that he's for you. And maybe you haven't heard that. Maybe you've been here. Maybe you're new here. I don't know. Maybe someone's visiting here and your view of God or even church or whatever was that he's mean and he's, he's mad and he's angry and he's just looking to bust somebody. He's the spiritual police and he's just waiting for you to do something wrong again so he can knock you over the head and say, see, there you go, knucklehead. But that's not God at all. It's his grace and his mercy. The Bible says it's kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Not the anger of the Lord. I've never drawn close to anybody that was angry at me. Or hated me. Or disliked me. The people I've wanted to be around are the people that love me, encourage me, believe in me more than I even believe in myself. And that's the God that we serve and the God that created you. And you've got to trust him. I love the scripture in Jeremiah 29. Matter of fact, Jeremiah 29, 11 is one of my life verses. When I was a teenager, I grabbed a hold of this verse because I didn't know what God wanted to do with my life and I didn't want to know, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Some people and some teenagers have direction and vision. My daughter's kind of like that, my oldest. She's always, a, you know, she's real determined. She's, everything's in order and she kind of has a plan. When she's in junior high, junior high, she's already thinking about college and her friends would be like, Nicole, why do you even think that way, you know? And she's like, well, it's important. And I love that about her. She's thinking ahead. My decision, of course, we've helped raise our kids that way, that your decisions, the choices you make matter. Choices today, no matter what age you are, the choices you make today determine your tomorrow. So your choices are important. 
But she knew what she wants. She kind of knows where she wants to go at times in life. And, but I didn't when I was young. I grabbed hold of this scripture because it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and give you a future. That's been a life verse for me. But in 2013, towards the end of it, I was reading this in the one-year Bible. And uh, we're, we're, when I got to it, it might not have been the end of the year. It was more middle of the year when you get to, January, when you get to Jeremiah in the one-year Bible. And I was reading it, and it's my life verse. So I automatically skipped to verse 11, right? Because it's my life verse. And I'll never forget sitting there in my quiet time thinking, like, why did God tell him, for I know the plans I have for you? And I've studied this before. I'm a pastor. I've been in ministry now 23 years. And I knew this is a chapter of exile, that Israel's in Babylon and they're sla- in slavery. But I never really read, like, I never got a heavy revy out of verses 1 through 10. You know, it just kind of sets it up. But I'd always skip down to verse 11 there, or at the bottom there, where you even see it, for I know the plans I have for you. But I begin to read, it just kind of sparked me. I said, God, why did you say this? And I went back up, started reading, and I got to verse 4 through verse 8. And it was amazing. It was amazing. And I loved verse 6 and 7. I put it here, I kind of paraphrased a little bit. I actually put it here, broken up. You can read it later. But I love what God said, because they're in exile. They want to give up. They've been in freedom, and now they're in slavery. I tell in the South, it's like living, you, you experience, you lived without air conditioning, and then you experience air conditioning, and then you don't have it anymore. It's miserable. You wish you never even had air conditioning, so you wouldn't even know. You didn't know any different when you didn't have it. But once you experience it, you know how great it is, and then if it's gone, it's miserable. I mean, people act like they can't even live without it when they used to live all the time without it. And that's the way it is. And I'll never forget, here is Israel, and they are in slavery, and they want to give up. Life is over. We're in destitute. Someone probably thought we might as well just die. There's no more meaning to life because we're slaves. We've lost all of our freedom and we're in captivity. And God addresses them, and I love this. And this is what he said to them in 29. He said, do not dwindle away. At work, see, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. He even says, and he says, marry, have kids, build homes. That's what he says, don't do it alone. Why? Even in your captivity, and you may be here today, and 2013 was terrible for you, and 2014 might even be great, and you may feel like you are in a desert experience in life. But God would say, don't dwindle away. Because when you trust in your Creator, you get verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you. They're going to prosper you. They're not to harm you. You just wait. Don't dwindle away. And so you need to trust God as your creator. You need to trust that he is your creator. What do you trust in? Trust in his purpose for your life. That he has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. Trust in his plan. Number three, trust in his promise. Trust in his purpose. Trust in his plan and trust in his promises. What helps me when I'm going through a bad day or a hard day or a tough decision is knowing that God... You know the plans for me. God, you have purpose for me. And God, it's your promises that will carry me through. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Pray that over you. You're going through a hard time. You feel like men 
are coming at you and can destroy you, that's when you pray, God, no one can destroy my life. My hands, my plans are in your hands. My purpose is your purpose. And you pray that way. It can be a big rock, a decision you make. Who do you go through first? Trust in your creator is what I'd encourage you. Number two, what do you got to do? Discover your values. Discover your values. 2 Corinthians 13.8 says, Our responsibility is never to oppose the truth, but to stand for the truth at all times. Values are what guard your life. Values are what you live by. What are your values? What do you value most? What do you love deeply? Those are your values. What do you love deeply? What keeps you up at night? What would you love to do if you had all the money and the resources in the world? What would you do? Because sometimes life is all about I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to pay the bills. I'm just trying to make a life for my family. And we get so focused on that that we lose the true reality of what life is really all about. So ask yourself the question, what do you really value? You're going in this time of prayer and fasting. I'd encourage you, take a time and say, what, God, what, what do I really value? Ask yourself that. You have all the money and the resources in the world. If it was given to you, you won the lottery or whatever, who knows? I wouldn't, I've got to buy a ticket first. But anyway, if you want it, what would you do with it? You know, people that end up having all of a sudden all the money in the world, the majority of them end off worse than when they even had it. They would have been better off not to have all that money than what? Why? Because they didn't know their values. And so it doesn't matter. Money doesn't satisfy. That's the thing. It's so deceiving. We think all these other things are going to satisfy, and they're the sand and the water of life, but it's the rocks of life. What are your values? Ask yourself that. What do you love deeply? What makes you righteously angry? Because you can have a righteous anger. Not an unrighteous anger. Not an anger towards people. We don't hate people. We hate the work of the enemy that peop- that, that, that's going on inside of people. We don't hate them. We love them. But what is it? Is it sex trafficking? Is it poverty? What is it that just makes you righteously angry? Like you see it and say, man, we've got, we cannot allow that to happen. Not in my life. Ask yourself those questions. Discover your values. And number three, what do I start with first? Number three is I would say focus on your purpose. Focus on your purpose. Trust your creator that he has a plan for you. What do you value in life? What are your values as your family and as you as an individual? And then focus on your purpose. Proverbs 29, 18. I have it here in the King James Version. I love the way it says it, where there is no vision, the people perish. NIV says, cast off restraint. What is vision? Vision is purpose. What is the vision for your life? Why, what are you living for? What is your vision and your purpose? Because when we don't have vision, we just cast off restraint. It means it doesn't matter. If I didn't have a vision for my children and a vision to be a father, to live for my kids and to set a good example for them, that's a vision for my life that I want my kids to grow up And to serve God, I want them to have a good example. If I didn't, if that wasn't a vision or a purpose of my life, then what would it matter if I just go and get drunk, if I'm just self-centered and I do my own thing? See, I would. Because if I don't have vision, I have nothing else to live for. And I just cast off restraint. I don't care. Why? Because I can have careless living. Because there's nothing to live for. I'll never forget. 
When I started in ministry, I was just serving in little, little areas, little areas of leadership, like, like a small group leader. It's really not a little area. It's a big area. Why? Because when I start out as a small group leader leading just a group of junior high kids, all of a sudden my life mattered. All of a sudden decisions mattered. All of a sudden temptations in my life changed. Because when I was tempted to do something, I thought of those little junior high kids that I was going to have to go stand in front of and say, oh, I just made a bad decision. I don't want to say that in front of them. It gave me purpose. And so important, find out what your person, what is your life's mission? What is it? If you don't know, find that out. You're going into a time of prayer and fasting. Make a decision. What is my life all about? What's my life vision? What's our family vision? What are we living for? Find that out. Make that a big rock in your life. Don't focus on your problems. Focus on your purpose. A lot of times we get so caught up in focusing on our problems that our problems become our purpose and your problems are going to come and go. The Bible says that in this life, you and I are going to have hardships. We're going to face some challenges. We're going to face some trouble. Whether we like it or not, there's going to be some things that are going to come. And if we focus on those problems and those challenges, that's what's going to consume our life. But the thing to do is to have something bigger than your problems that you live for. Because when you have purpose and you focus on your purpose, then the problems kind of go they kind of dwindle. They don't go away, but they're just not as great in your life. That's the whole power of worship. The whole power of God in our life is that God is as big as He's going to get, but what happens is our problems get us so focused on our problem, and our problems look so big. They look so huge. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I, just, I don't even know if I can live any longer. They're huge. And it's because our focus and our purpose in life feels like it's just on our problems. But when we worship and we get our eyes up on God and we see how big God is and we see that He has a purpose and a plan for me and nothing can harm me, if I focus on Him and I seek Him, then what happens? God becomes greater than our problems. Our perception changes because the order is important. The capacity of your life will be greater. Your life will be more fulfilling. Church, if there's anything I can encourage you in, that would be to make God first. To put Him first. Because when you put Him first, it has the power to bless the rest in your life. When you put God first, I have a little band that I wear on my wrist all the time now. I, I don't get into all the little new fads, you know, those little rubber things are all, all over the place and I wear them. You wear them for about a month or not, so, but this one I've worn, this is on my second year. And I rarely ever take it off. And it says, pray first. It says, pray first. And why do I wear it? Because it's cool and it's a fad to have a rubber band? No, actually, I never wore these because I didn't think they looked very cool and they're kind of a fad thing. But I've stuck this on my wrist, regardless of how cool I think it is, because it reminds me when problems come, when I get bad news, it reminds me whether I'm driving down the road in the steering wheel and I look down there and I remember to pray first. Don't freak out. Don't try to do my own thing. Corey, pray first. When I get a bad report about somebody, I feel this little thing, I look down, let me pray first. God in everything, put Him first. Why? Because order is important. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? Can I pray for you?
Heavenly Father, we thank You for the power of Your Word this morning. And God, I pray for my friends that are sitting here. God, as they go into this season of February and we're in the first quarter of the year, God, we want to put You first. We want to say You are important. We just dedicate our lives to You. I pray, Lord God, for the power of Your Word to sink into my friends this morning. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed right there, I don't want to leave this morning without giving someone here the opportunity. This is between you and the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and you never have put God first in your life. Maybe you've even accepted Christ at a young age or maybe you've known about God in your life, but you've never put Him first. You've never made Him Lord of your life. That's really what it is, that He's number one. He's Lord. He's first. You live your life according to His principles. You die to yourself and you live for Him. And you need to do that this morning. You say, Corey, I need to come to Christ this morning. I need to make Him first in my life. I want to pray for you. Because it's the best decision. It's the biggest rock you could make is to put Him first. And if that's you here this morning, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to have you stand up in any way. This is between you and the Lord. I just want to pray for you. If you're here this morning and you'd say, that's me, Corey. Include me in that prayer. I want to make Him first in my life. Lift your hand real high. Let me see it. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Praise God. Good job. Way to be bold. Way to make that decision. It says, I have decided. I have decided to put Jesus first. Good job. In the back there. Over there on the side. Amen. Let me pray for you. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. It's not even the words I say that's important. It's about that you believe Him with your heart and that you agree with Him and you make Him your own it's between you and the Lord and just say Heavenly Father I thank you for loving me I thank you that you say that you have a plan for me and a purpose for me I choose today to put you first I'm sorry for living life on my own not putting you first and today I accept what Jesus did on the cross for my sin. The blood that He shed to forgive me. I receive that into my life right now. Thank You for loving me. Setting me free. I choose to put You first from this day forward. Give me the power to live out Your Word every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we give God glory for what He's done in the hearts of these here this morning? He is a good God. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I just encourage you, put first things first, and you'll never regret it. Thank you for letting me be here. Well, praise God. That's awesome, huh? Here's the deal. Pastor James was over there. Would you come join me for a second on the platform? Um, If you did make a decision for Christ, it's your first time uh, making a decision for Christ, the next step for you would be to be baptized in water. It's not about embarrassment, but it is about a public proclamation of what God is doing in you personally. And so uh, if that's the case, come come up here with me. Uh, And I would ask you to contact Pastor James on that. Now, I didn't just invite him up here for that part. I actually invited him up here. I love this guy, you know. And uh, I just think that you've all been pretty mean today. 
because he is a Seahawks fan. <laughs> and so on behalf of all of the Seahawks fan, I just want to say, I'm sorry. And now I want to pray. Heavenly Father, let the Broncos win. Give them favor in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> I love you. Hey, have a blessed day and enjoy the Super Bowl.